Welcome to the MO Show, a podcast hosted by Matt Mullen and Travis O'Neill. In today's episode, we're going to review Quentin Tarantino's Django Unchained. We'll talk about the background of the movie, we'll go over the best scenes, we'll hand out awards, and we'll give our grade of the film. Episode 18 of the MO Show is going to be a bit different today. The lack of sports news gives us the perfect, perfect opportunity to review a movie, which is something that we've wanted to do since we started this pod. Travis, I know Django is one of your favorite movies ever. Are you excited to get into this? Yeah, definitely, man. I'm excited to act cultured for about 30 minutes here. <laughs> Same. Um, so we had a Twitter poll where where our illustrious and many, many fans voted on what movie we should review first. and it was Illustrious be- and growing. Yes. It was, <laughs> it was between Django, Get Out, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and uh, I think Skyfall was the fourth one. But Django won. It got 50% of the votes. So um, we're giving the people what they want. Yeah, sounds good. I, I was really rooting for this one to win. Um, I was obviously cool with all four of those movies, but I was really glad when I saw that Django was kind of pulling away. Yeah, and, and this gives us the opportunity to talk about like college film class douchebags. Like we're going to call this a film, um, of course. Going like and Freud and Sigmund Freud and and Charles Darwin. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get really theoretical here. We're gonna really class it up, but not really. <laughs> All right, so like I said, um, I'm just going to go over the plot real quick. Um, I summarize it just as best as I can, and then we'll go into background info of the movie, and um, we'll just kind of go back and forth. Sounds good. Cool. So Django and Shane came out in 2012 and was written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. The film stars Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Leonardo DiCaprio, Kerry Washington, and Samuel L. Jackson. So in the beginning of the movie, we, see, we find Django, who's played by Jamie Foxx, and he's a slave who was freed by Dr. King Schultz, played by Christoph Waltz. Dr. Schultz is a traveling dentist turned bounty hunter, and he buys Django because of his knowledge of three of his targets, who are named the Brittle Brothers. Schultz and Django go to the Brittle Brothers' plantation, and Django kills them, and they collect the bounty. Schultz teaches Django to shoot a gun and promises to make him a free man, as long as he helps him um, capture bounties throughout the winter. So as they're on their like various adventures, Django and Django tells Schultz that he's been separated from his wife, Brumhilda, who is played by Karen Washington, and he calls her Hildy. Schultz vows to help Django find her. They rack up a bunch of bounties over the winter, like I said, and then they travel to Mississippi to rescue Hildy because they finally learn of her whereabouts. They learn that she works at Candyland, a plantation owned by Calvin Candy, who's played by DiCaprio. And this guy is just a scum of the earth. Like, he's just <laughs> ridiculously racist. He's over the top, but it's, it's awesome. Um, so Schultz and Django poses being interested in purchasing a slave to fight in the Mandingo fights. And they know that Calvin Candy um, owns several Mandingos. So they meet with Candy and then they convince him that, yeah, we are interested buyers. So Candy takes them to Candyland. Schultz knows that Hildy speaks German and inquires about having her sent to his room. The two speak in German and she learns that Django's here to rescue her. Schultz has a back and forth of dinner with Calvin Candy about who's the best fighter truly is and he offers to buy hildy because she speaks german and he says he wants a german companion candy's top house slave steven played by samuel L. jackson realizes that django and hildy know each other and he tells candy that something is off calvin candy holds them at gunpoint and says that he will sell hildy for about twelve thousand dollars and schultz shoots him which leads to schultz dying and django getting into a massive shootout with all the people living on the, the candy plantation and this scene is just ridiculous but it's awesome it's a stereotypical it, Tarantino shootout. Yeah, it's it's over the top. Every but, movie has it. <laughs> but as, finally, as punishment, Django is sent to the LaQuint Dickey Mining Company to live out the rest of his days breaking up rocks. But he hoodwinks his escorts and he kills them and steals their guns. He goes back to Candyland, kills Steven, 
kills Candy's sister and all the white people. He rescues Hildy and they ride off into the night after setting Candyland on fire. So that's Django in a nutshell. Beautiful. I had to Django play. in like a minute as opposed to, what is it, two, two hours and 45 minutes? Oh my God, it's so long. That's it's my, such a long movie. Normally like movie length isn't one of my gripes, but with this movie it is. And we'll probably get into that towards the end there, but it's so long. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when did you first see this movie and what were your first impressions? Um, so if it came out in 2012, I definitely didn't see it in theater. I think I bought it on Blu-ray in like 2012 because I remember being a senior in high school when I first saw it. And I love this movie. Uh-huh. I've always been a big Tarantino guy. Um, it's not my favorite movie of his. It's probably my third behind Inglorious Bastards at number one. And the number two is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But I really love this movie. Yeah, definitely. Um I, I saw it right in 2012 when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, me, me and one of my friends snuck in to see it, actually. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I absolutely loved it right away. Um, it was one of those movies that I came out of, and I just I couldn't wait to see it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so as soon as the DVD, whenever that would have been, as soon as the DVD was available, um, I made sure I got it. And I don't even know how many times I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned how long it is. So I've probably seen like, three quarters of it and like seven eighths of it, like multiple <laughs> times and just not finished it. Um, but overall I I've seen this movie a ton of times and, and I enjoy it so much every time. Was this movie big at your high school? Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think, I think the second thing that was just kind of an initial impression was when I went and saw it, I remember seeing a trailer, but I, I didn't really realize, like, the people that were in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, going through it, my, my initial impression really was just, like, I was just wowed by the cast. Because you have mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Leo, Samuel Jackson, uh, Kerry Washington, Don Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, Walter Goggins, and then even Jonah Hill uh, yeah. makes an appearance <laughs> there for a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I was just wowed by the cast. Yeah, the Jonah Hill scene, which we'll get into in a few minutes, um, I kept seeing that clip on Twitter for, for like, I guess two years since I saw it in 2014. Yeah. And I was like, what movie is this with, you know, these, <laughs> these idiot clan members, um, you know, just like saying like racist stuff, but like, it's, it's pretty funny because you just show, it just shows how truly ignorant and stupid these people are, which is what you have to be if you actually are racist. Right. And the scene, <laughs> the scene with the bags, like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, a, and we'll get to that later, I'm yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, that it's just, it's such an awesome scene that he's a part of there. So a little bit of background info on this movie. Um, this movie is a tribute to the old spaghetti Westerns that Tarantino loves. And he uses revisionist history like most of his films do. Uh, Django grossed $425.4 million worldwide. And this surpassed Inglorious Bastards as Tarantino's highest grossing film. I thought that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood would have surpassed this amount, but it actually didn't, which really surprised me because that movie was huge. Yeah, I think I'm not sure if this is definitely the factor, but I know that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood wasn't available in China. So I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not sure if Django was. um, But there was there were certain parts in that movie that I guess the Chinese government wanted taken out. Uh, Maybe the Bruce Lee stuff. I'm not sure. Um, but they wanted yeah, certain stuff taken out and, and Tarantino refused. Huh. So, um, I think he and a lot of the, you know, all the actors and stuff, I'm pretty sure they lost a decent amount of money mm-hmm. in that deal. Um, but I'm not sure if that's why it hasn't surpassed Django yet or not. It's interesting. Um, in total Django was nominated for 29 awards and it won 11. 
It was nominated for five Oscars. It was nominated for Best Cinematography, Best Original Screenplay, Best Picture, Best Sound Editing, and Best Supporting Actor. And Christoph Waltz won Best Supporting Actor, and Tarantino won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay, which both are well-deserved. Um, Waltz is one of the best actors of our generation, in my opinion. And then um, Waltz and Tarantino won the same award at the Golden Globes a few months later. Yeah, this movie's so deserving uh, of any awards that it won. Yeah. Um, and and the, the individual actors within it, too, are just incredible. And this was a pretty stacked Oscars year. So this would have been the 2013 Oscars because they start in January. Um, Argo ended up winning Best Picture over Django, Life of Pi, Les Mis, Lincoln, Zero Dark Thirty, and Silver Linings Playbook. So I'm not mad that, that Django didn't win, but I would have liked to see the voting totals. Yeah, definitely. That, that's definitely a stacked year, too. And this was uh, Christoph Waltz's second Oscar win for Best Supporting Actor, which he had previously won for Inglorious Bastards which I don't want to make this an Inglorious Bastards pod because that's one of my top five favorite movies. But um, the first 20 minutes of Inglorious Bastards is the best acting you'll ever see by anyone, by, by Christoph yeah. Waltz. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. It's it's insane. He's so good. Any movie he's in, I'm, I'm instantly seeing. He, his career is kind of weird because he's in like Tarantino films and German films, but then he's been in blockbuster movies recently, like Alita Battle Angel, Legend of Tarzan. Uh, he was in Spectre, which was kind of a disappointing James Bond movie, but I still like it. And he's in Horrible Bosses, too. So it's weird how he takes these, like, huge iconic roles in Inglorious Bastards and Django, and then he's in just, like, summer popcorn blockbusters. It's just, yeah, it's just kind, of a weird, kind of a weird choice of, of what he takes. Yeah, for sure. Um, did you have anything else on, on kind of the background of the movie? Not really, no. You want to go ahead and hop into our top five favorite scenes? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. I'll I'll start us off here, and I know we were going to go in order, um, not not like ranking them, but just in order of how they appeared in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so number one for me is it starts off really early, it's just the opening scene. Okay. Um, I just I love this scene just because it's so simple, but it gives a great introduction to like who Christoph Waltz is, who his character is, um, mm-hmm. in uh, in Doctor Schultz, and uh, I just I think it's a really cool introduction to Django, and it just. I don't know. It, it kind of sets the tone for the movie of how they're going to kind of be like quirky with things and, yeah. and just like out. They're always outsmarting the bad guy, it, it seems like. And I just I, th- I thought that this was a perfect introduction. Yeah. And early on, you see that Christoph Waltz is probably the only white person in the movie who isn't racist. And he, right. he straight up tells Django that he has no interest in slavery. Um, and so he Waltz ends up killing the two guys, the two guys who. Um, or taking Django and the other the other slaves to a to a different plantation, um, or he kills one of them and then he throws his gun down and, and tells the other slaves to have at him. And then yeah, you hear them <laughs> killing killing the slave owner in the night. It's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, it's just great. And then, um, like right when they first get into that exchange, the one brother is up on his horse and he's got his gun pointed at Schultz, mm-hmm. and he he points his gun at Schultz and cocks it, and Schultz is like, you know, is it your intention to kill me or? Were you just being overzealous and got caught up in the moment? <laughs> and the guy just like points his gun at him again. And uh, he does this little trick where he like puts out his lantern and shoots him real quick. It, it's just, it's so cool. You just have to see it. My, so my number one uh, favorite scene was a few scenes later when Django and Schultz kill the Brittle brothers and Django, okay. Django whips big John and then shoots him in the head. So it's, and it's funny because well, it's not funny, but big John was married to 
whip a runaway slave and then Django stops him and then it becomes ironic becomes because Django whips him to death. Yeah, so that was that was on my list too. Um and I I love in the build up to that scene when we see like right before that scene we see Django and um Hildy trying to escape mm-hmm. and then you see uh Hildy getting whipped and you see Django like begging, I think it's Big John that's doing the whipping, like begging Big John to stop. Mm-hmm. And then he then, uh, Big John says to him, like, I love the way you beg, boy. And then he uses that line on him yeah. after he shoots him. It's it just, it, it's one of the many, like, small payoffs that you get throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you just, you see these guys being pieces of shit. And then minutes later, they die. Like, it just, it happens over and over again in this movie. Yeah, and I like how you know Django approaches Big John. It's kind of like that old western, like the good, the bad, and the ugly sound. The wah wah wah, and like yeah. like a tumbleweed rolls by, and he's like, "I like the way you die, boy." And then right. he flips the script and then kills Big John. That's just an awesome moment. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, so I I had that one on my list too. Okay. Um, and I just loved like the progression of kills Big John and then whips the other one and then shoots him like five or six times. Yeah, and then um. Schultz comes in um, or Christoph Waltz comes in and they're standing there and he's like, are you sure that that's, you know, the last brother? Uh. And then he asks him, he asks him, are you positive? And Django says, no. And he says, what do you mean? And he says, what does positive mean? And he's like, positive means sure. And he's like, well, yeah, then I'm positive. And then he shoots him. And like, I I love the visual of the blood spraying on the cotton. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's just such a good scene. Those two have unbelievable chemistry in this movie. Yeah, they do. They really do. And I'm going to skip over a few scenes when I go to my next one. Um, but I think it's important to know that this movie takes place five years before the Civil War. So slavery is still hasn't been hasn't been abolished yet. So yeah. when Jen, yeah. when Django's a free man and he's up on a horse riding through the town, you know, all these white people are thinking, you know, why is this African-American up on that horse? Um, which is something, you know, they had never seen was unheard of. So like the racism is at an all time high here before the Emancipation Proclamation. Yep. So my number two scene is immediately after that. So Django and Schultz collected the bount- their first bounty together by killing a town sheriff. And then, you know, the townspeople are mad at Django. And then what looks to be like the KKK, this actually wasn't the Klan because they didn't form until after the Civil War, which is one of the inaccuracies of this movie. Mm-hmm. But the the Klan finds Django and Schultz's wagon um, between these hills. And so, you know, they had the funny exchange with Jonah Hill when they're talking about the, the bags on their head. Um, and they circled the wagon and they realized that Django and Schultz aren't there. And then you see them up on a mountaintop and Jang or Schultz rather shoots this tooth that's on top of his, his dentist wagon, which was filled with dynamite and it explodes and it kills <laughs> yeah. all the clan people. Um, that was an awesome scene. Yeah, that's great. And that, that scene, there's a there's an award given out by me uh, for that scene. Um, so I, I'll kind of go into more depth on that one um, a little bit later. But yeah, it's just, it's such a great scene. And I, I just love, like, every chance that this movie gets to, like, make these, well, not like, like you said, not clan members, but just like these racist assholes, like, look like idiots. Mm-hmm. They always take the opportunity. Oh, yeah. And I just love that they, like, they have this, like, 10-minute long exchange where they're complaining about the bags and stuff. And then they ride down here, and they're all excited, and then they just all get blown up. It's just, it's an awesome scene. He's like, I think we all think the bags was a good idea. And then the guy's yeah. like, my wife spent all day working on these bags. 
And then, yeah. and then Jonah Hill's like, I'm confused. Are we riding in with the bags or without the bags? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing. Um, for my, for my next scene, I'm going to go a little bit before that, okay. actually. Um, when Django and Dr. Schultz ride into Daughtry, Texas, mm-hmm. and this is where they go to the bar and the bartender runs off to get help <laughs> only because, only because Django, a black man walks into this bar. Mm-hmm. So he runs off. And as he's running out, uh, Christoph Waltz tells him, get the sheriff, not the marshal. He's very specific <laughs> about that. So he goes and gets the sheriff. The sheriff comes up. And, like, the first time you're seeing this movie, this part's pretty shocking mm-hmm. because Waltz just walks out and shoots him right in the street. He falls over dead. And um, so then that same bartender starts to run off. And you hear it's, – it's, like, it's just in passing. Like, you could miss it. Mm-hmm. Schultz says, all right, now go get the marshal. <laughs> so he, he goes and gets the marshal. He comes back. And then he explains to him that the guy who was posing as their sheriff was actually an outlaw. Um, But the first time I saw that scene, like I just that's probably when I knew that, like, I was going to fall in love with this movie just because of just because of the trickery. Like, I I didn't know what the heck to think once he shot the sheriff. Um, So I just I love that. scene. Yeah, the writing's incredible in this movie, which we're probably going to say time and time again. But this is just one of Tarantino's absolute best masterpieces. Yeah, it's awesome. So my next scene is when they first arrived to Candyland. Do you have one that happens before that? Um, I do not. Okay. So a little, little background before I get into this. Um, like I said, Schultz and Django have already met with Calvin Candy, um, discussing Mandingos. So they ride into town and you see a runaway slave outside of Candyland and Candy has his, his men, you know, beat him and, and six his dogs on him and the dogs, you know, eat this guy and just, and kills him. Um, which is really brutal for Django and, and Schultz to see, but, my next most rewatchable or best scene is when they first get to Candyland and Samuel Jackson comes out of the house. Oh and yeah. He's, he's really funny, but like, he's also really racist to Django. You know, he's saying, why is that? Yeah. Why is that guy, you know, up on that nag? Why, you know, why is he going to get to stay in the big house? And you can just see how Samuel Jackson, who's this like 70 year old black man has been conditioned to hate black people and to do whatever Calvin yeah. says. Um, and then we find out that Hildy tried to escape a few days before and she's been in the hot box and Django sees her from across the way and he reaches for his gun, but then decides to not, to not shoot up the place and just let it play out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think the part where he reaches for his gun is because like, uh, candy asks Samuel Jackson's character. He's like, you know, did she get tore up bad? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If that answer would have been yes, he probably would have started shooting. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a great scene. I didn't have that on my list, but that's just, that's another amazing scene. And it gets weird because, Candy stands up and he's like, where is my beautiful sister? Oh, yeah, that's really And his weird. sister is like the Southern Belle who who is widowed and he like kisses her throughout the movie. There's like this weird yeah. sexual tension. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, the- I wanted to throw in something real quick. Like you mentioned the the Mandingo scene and mm-hmm. then the guy getting eaten by dogs. Like this movie, this movie is just so brutal. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's so many scenes like the Mandingo fight and then the guy getting eaten by dogs, like it's hard for me to watch. Like, yeah. I, I really don't like watching the fight scene because it's mm-hmm. just like one, especially how it ends is gross. But like, just on top of that, like this is real stuff that happened. Like yeah. these guys were, were trained to fight against each other and kill each other. And they had absolutely no choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, 
it's just brutal. Um, and then like the numerous torture scenes and the constant use of the N word, mm-hmm. like this movie is tough to watch. Like I, I do, I do get that from people yeah. who um, like don't end up liking it. Um, but I just, I think, you know, like you just, the payoffs, like I mentioned and, and like, especially we'll talk about it, but the payoff at the end, like it just kind of makes it all worth it. You just, you have to be able to like stomach all of the crap in the middle. But mm-hmm. yeah, those, those scenes are just brutal. One final thing from this scene I like when Steven first comes out of the house and him and Candy are joking. He's like, I missed you like a pig, Mrs. Slop. And I miss you, yeah. I miss you like a baby, Mrs. Mammy's titty. Like, that's funny. But then Candy, like, <laughs> flips and starts being really racist to Steven. He calls him, you know, the N-word and several other um, names that we – or words that we can't say on this podcast and shouldn't ever say. But, um, <laughs> like, you can just see how truly racist Candy is, especially after you see him – you know, kill one of his own slaves, and then he's racist to his top slave at his house. Right, so this, you, right. They just set this guy up as a real piece of work. Yeah, yeah. But, like, he is a complete piece of shit, but the acting from DiCaprio is so incredible. Oh, yeah. Like, it's it's so amazing, especially when you've seen him in other roles and just the range that he has. I mean, it's just, this part is insane. I feel like this had to be one of his hardest roles, to be honest. And he's just so over the top. Like, he's over the top a little bit in Wolf of Wall Street just because that whole movie is just inflated. Um, yeah. But this movie, he's he's just going for it. <laughs> yeah, he really is. <laughs> um, so I have I have three more scenes, and they all occur after this, like, within the house. Okay. Yeah, um, me too. But um, my next one, I think I'm going in order here. Yeah. Uh, so my next one is just the um, Broomhilda's reveal to Django. Mm-hmm. Um, just, like when she gets reunited with him, I'm not sure if the movie is like super clear about how long they were apart. Um, but just yeah. the fact that like they were apart and the circumstances that took them apart, uh, like they, you had to think that like they never would have thought they were going to see each other again. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like this whole build up with, you can tell Waltz is like kind of urging them to, to get on with it. Like when the, when the sister's standing at the door, you could tell he's like, like, come on, get in here. Like, let's get her away from here so we can yeah. do this whole thing. Um, and it's just cool. Like, Django hides behind the door, and then he comes out, and, and she passes out. <laughs> and I think I think one of my favorite parts about this scene is you can kind of see the confusion in Kerry Washington's face when Schultz, like, fixes the bed and then, um, like, puts his jacket back on because she walked into the room thinking, like, She's oh, no, raped. like – yeah, yeah, I have to have sex with this creepy white dude. Like, this is awful. And then he's, like, getting fully dressed and makes the bed and sits down. And mm-hmm. you can see that there's confusion here because she doesn't know what's going on. And then you have the reveal of Django. So that's that's definitely one of my favorites. So my next one, which you probably have, too, was the dinner scene that happens immediately after. Yep, I sure do. So dinner's going well. And um, Candy's sister, I, think, I believe her name was Laura or Laura, Lara or Laura. Um she makes a comment like, oh, Hildy has eyes for Django. And then yeah. Steven starts to realize, oh, like they do know each other. Um, so he pulls Candy aside into another room and tells him that um, they were husband and wife. I, I guess Carrie Washington um, revealed that to him. I'm not sure how he figured it out because he says point blank those two are, are married. But yeah, he, she just he, – he just kind of like bullied her into it like when yeah. they were in the kitchen. Yeah. So – my most rewatchable scene of this movie, this is my favorite one, um, is when Leo just absolutely loses his nut because um, Steven tells him who who Django and Schultz truly are. Yeah. And this is just peak acting by, by DiCaprio. He, he breaks out a skull 
and cuts the back end of it open and shows these, I think it was three dimples on the back of a skull. And he says, if you were to look at a white person like, you know, Galileo or Isaac Newton, these three dimples would be found in creativity. But the skull he was um, was showing them was of an African-American. And he says, these dimples are in servitude. Um, and you know, he's just insulting Django. And then, you know, he really flips his lid and he, he pounds his hand on the table and DiCaprio actually cut his hand. Like his hand is actually bloody and he acts through mm-hmm. the scene for another like five or six minutes. And it's just incredible. Dude, you know, what's pretty crazy too about the whole cutting his hand thing is later on in that scene when Kerry Washington's sitting in that chair and he like rubs his blood on her face. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously she didn't see that coming. <laughs> it was unplanned. So, I mean, it's just, there's so much about that scene that's just so crazy. And you could see it in Samuel Jackson's face, too. Like, he almost kind of breaks character for a second because he's like, holy shit. Like, yeah. he just slammed his hand down and, and cut the hell out of himself, and he's still going. Um, but, yeah, it's really cool. And and I loved when he, when he takes the skull out and he, like, tells the story about it. Mm-hmm. it. It's pretty cool, too. He says, like, you know, I can't remember what, what the barber's name was, but he says, like, you know, he would cut my – he would use a straight razor on my dad yeah. three times a week for 50 years and he never killed him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just all of that's really cool. I even love the part like right after Leo finds out and he comes in and like kind of subtly tells his sister that something's going on outside and he needs her to leave. And so she leaves and that's how you could kind of see that, you know, like shit was about to go down. Um, but that's another moment where he's like really creepy with his sister. It's, it's very, very weird. Yeah. That reminded me of the red wedding in game of Thrones. Like yeah, when they yeah. when they close the doors, the hall, and you're like, "Oh no, what's going to happen yeah. here?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I also one of the things that I really loved about Leo in that scene was, um, like, they have I don't know, like one of Leo's henchmen or whoever it is, like comes in the door and and points a shotgun at uh, Django and Walt, mm-hmm. and he says like you know, his guy is going to let both barrels of that, of that sawed off go if they move their hands from the table. And then he says, there's been a lot of lies told around this table tonight, but that you can believe. And like, it's just, it's so good, man. <laughs> what was, what was your next one? Um, so my next one I did, I did six, but okay. we, we, we talked a little bit about like that scene. This is just kind of like a bonus um, where like Django gets captured and then he's being transported by the Australian guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this is where Quentin Tarantino kind of like makes his cameo, which he likes to do in his movies. Um, and I just, I really like this scene um, because Steven kind of explains to Django or Samuel Jackson kind of explains to uh, Jimmy Fox, like, you know, like some of the guys wanted to kill you. Some of the guys wanted to castrate you. Uh, but I wanted to send you to the LaQuint Dickey Mining Company so you would just basically like be worked to death. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd, you'd just be worked every day, every night until you died. Um, and then, like you mentioned earlier, Django outsmarts these guys, ends up getting a gun. And he, he tells them, you know, if you give me $500, a gun and a horse, you guys can <laughs> keep the rest of the $11,000 reward or whatever it was. And you can just like, you can see it. You can see it coming. Like the guy hands him his gun. And before it's even like fully in Django's hands, he turns it on the guy, shoots him, shoots the other guy, and then turns to shoot the third guy who's Quentin Tarantino, who just got dynamite off of a horse, shoots him, he explodes and it's, it's over from there. Um, but yeah, I just, I love that scene. Yeah, and, and he bamboozles them with the handbill that he got from his first bounty because it had been in his jacket pocket. So he like pulls it out and shows um, the guys taking them to the mining company. And he's like, see, the money's back there at this farm. He's like, you all need to help me. 
if you give me this yeah. gun. So, like, the, the callbacks in this movie are great, and this had happened two hours previously in the movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's really cool. And and it's also funny, Quentin Tarantino in this scene, like, all throughout the movie, Leo, everybody in the movie is openly using the N-word. Mm-hmm. And then Tarantino himself is in the movie and has multiple opportunities where he calls Django like some name yeah. and, and doesn't, and doesn't say the word. So I thought that was interesting. He's like, yeah, all, you guys can take all that. Yeah. He um, played it safe. Think, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty funny. So my, my fifth and final best scene happened immediately before. And it's when Django just shoots up everybody in the house. Okay. Yeah. Cause, Cause it comes from the final showdown between Candy and Waltz and Walt or Candy. I'm sorry. Wants to shake Waltz's hand. Cause it's, it's like Southern tradition and waltz won't right. do it and he walks forward and and pulls out a gun and, and shoots candy so then a massive shootout occurs <laughs> yeah that that's a pretty wild scene when he whips out that little gun that he used multiple times throughout the movie and then just gets blasted by a shotgun into the bookcase um but yeah that that was a great scene too and then the shootout right after that is just is just wild mm-hmm. it's, it's so crazy and really like as you're watching the movie at least for me as I was watching the movie the first time, that really felt like the end. Like yeah. it felt like he was going to like shoot his way out of that rescue his wife and then get out of there. Uh, and then in true Quentin Tarantino fashion, there's still another 30 minutes to yep. go. Like it's just, <laughs> just, of course there is. Yeah. I really liked the end when he comes back and kills Steven. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And he has the, the whole house rigged with dynamite and just blows the oh, whole yeah. thing up, kills everybody. It's, it's great. You knew that nobody from that house was going to survive by the end of this movie if you've seen any other Quentin Tarantino movies. His movies have had happy endings lately. Because, I mean, yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Leo kills um, the Manson family. And then in this one, Django walks away with his wife unharmed. Yeah. So, shout out yeah. to Tarantino. Yeah. Character development. Turn, <laughs> turn into new Leo. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Did you have any, uh, any more notes on any of the scenes in particular? No. Nah. All right, let's go ahead and hop into these awards. Um, we are going. We named these awards ourselves. Picked what we were going to do ourselves. Um, so we'll just go back and forth. You want to kick us off? Yeah. So my first one is just boring, um, and it's the best performance award. And I really struggled between Jamie Fox, Leo DiCaprio, and Christoph Waltz, but I'm going to give it to drum roll, please. I'm going to give it to Leo. Okay. He's my favorite actor, and he's just so over the top, but he's he's perfect for this movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, so just going off of that one, um, I named all of my awards. I named my other four. This is my one. Okay. This is my non-goofy one. <laughs> okay, good, good. Okay. Um, I named this one, uh, but it's real standard. I did the LeBron James, a.k.a. the Most Valuable Performance Award, and I also chose DiCaprio as Calvin <laughs> Candy. Um, it, it's really tough to choose, especially between, like, the big three. Um, yeah. So I tried to like give each of them their own award. Um, but I just, he's so good in this movie and it just, if he doesn't build himself up as that villain, I, I mm-hmm. don't think that it plays the same way. And it, it's definitely not like if he, if he wasn't a great villain and then he dies at the end, like it doesn't make up for the brutal scenes that you had to watch and all the other crap that you have to go through throughout this movie. Um, so I just, I felt like he was just really, he was necessary in this movie and, and mm-hmm. how good he played this character. He was incredible. So my next, my next award has a similar name and it's the LeBron James game sex award for, okay. for a single great scene performance. So, you know, in 2012 against the Celtics, LeBron had 45 points and 15 rebounds against the Celtics. Mm-hmm. So I gave that award to Leo in the parlor that, that 10 minute stretch is just absolutely incredible. 
Yeah, he, love he's it. that he's that gif of LeBron like putting his head down and he like looks just so pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, love it. Um, so for my second one, I did uh, the Scottie Pippen Award for the best teammate, and that goes to <laughs> that goes to Dr. King Schultz, aka Christoph Waltz. Um, he's just he's incredible in this movie, and um, again, without him, I just I just don't think this whole thing works. So I had the racism is canceled award. <laughs> and this is to this goes to Dr. King Schultz, aka Christoph Waltz, for being progressive and and Beautiful. not hating black people like everybody else in this movie. <laughs> nice, I love it. Um, so let me actually go to in my Django award. Okay. So my award for Jimmy Fox is the Clay Thompson. This doesn't work without your underrated contributions award. And that goes to Jamie Foxx, a.k.a. Django. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's obviously incredible in this movie. The only reason I say he's underrated is because like, his performance is a little overshadowed by DiCaprio and Waltz. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's just tough. When you have three performances in a movie this good, um, somebody's going to end up being underrated. So that one goes to him. Yeah, outside of his purple outfit in the beginning, his role is pretty subtle when the other two are just yeah. going over the top every scene. Yeah, for sure. But my award for Django is the Magic Johnson Starts at Center Award. And this is for a clutch performance <laughs> at the end of a movie, just like Magic Johnson started at center in game six of the 1980 finals and had 42 points and 15 rebounds. So this goes to Django, nice. this goes to Django for coming back and killing everybody at Candyland. <laughs> That's perfect. All right. So I think I'm going to save my Jonah Hill one for last. <laughs> um, so, so I think you'll like this one too, though. Um, so this is the Matthew Delavadova Award for character <laughs> I'd most most like to punch in the teeth. Um, so this goes to Don Johnson, aka Big Daddy. I hated this character. Like oh he was God. just so. I, I think he was like it was well played. Like that's how it was supposed to be. But this character is just such a piece of shit and so mm-hmm. over the top and just he looks like Colonel Sanders. It's just I, I did not like this character at all. But I, I think that was the intention. I loved when he died. Yeah, yeah, it was so great when he died. So my final award is the Walton Goggins Award. And this is for someone you, rec- <laughs> you recognize from other movies, but you can never remember their name. Yeah. And Wal- yeah. Walton Goggins is in uh, Vice Principals and Righteous Gemstones and, like, a ton of other movies. And every time I see yeah. him, I'm like, oh, my God, I know him. But what's his name? <laughs> yeah. He's he's in a show my parents really love called Justified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he, he's – from the episodes that I've watched of that show, he's really good there. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I saw him, I, I watched rewatched Django last night, and when I saw him, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like that's that's that guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't even I didn't even realize who he was. But it's funny you say it's funny you say that because like now I know his name and I'll I'll never forget <laughs> it. Okay, so my last award is the Derek Fisher Award for person you never expected to show up, but damn it, <laughs> they did, and you're glad they did. And that's Jonah Hill, a.k.a. Baghead number two. Um, We've 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 talked about him a couple of times. But yeah, this just this adds some much needed uh, comedic relief right there in the middle of the movie. And um, it's just uh, the first time you watch this, you're like, Jonah Hill's in this movie. Like, what the hell? Because obviously he's in it for like five minutes, if that. Mm -hmm. So like he's not in any of the trailers or anything. Um, so yeah, it was just really surprising to see him in this movie. I wish I could have seen that in theaters. Cause I would have been like, Oh my God, there's the dude from super bad. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Cause he, he wasn't big at all at that point, mm-hmm. um, you know, outside of super bad. Um, so yeah, just such a weird cameo to be made in the middle of that movie. 
All right. Do you want to give our grades and then we'll talk about some nitpicks, I guess? Yeah, sounds good. So I graded mine on a 10-point scale, and I was real douchey, and I gave it an 8.8. Okay. And my rationale behind that arbitrary number is just that the runtime is just a little too long, and it's just not my favorite Tarantino movie. Okay. I think there's – Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say I gave it a 9, and um, it was kind of right along the same lines. Um, I have Tarantino movies that I like more, so like Mm -hmm. I – couldn't really justify giving it a 10. Um, and then the runtime is pretty long. Um, the only other thing, and I, and I didn't ding this in the score, um, but the only other thing that I would say to somebody like who hasn't seen this movie yet is just like, be careful about watching it with certain people. Like some people just can't really take all the, the racism and the, yeah. the Mandingo fighting scene and the dog scene. It, it is rough. Like it, it really is kind of difficult to watch. Um, so you just kind of have to be careful who you're watching it with. Yeah, it was hard to watch it with my mom. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah. um, I mean, she liked it, but I think the language definitely bothered her and some of the violence. Yeah, definitely. I, I actually, I watched it, um, I watched it with my dad. I don't know if my mom's seen it, but I watched it with my dad. And even he, um, during that, the Mandingo fighting scene was like, God, man, this is like, this is brutal, you know? And then a couple minutes later you get the guy getting ripped apart by dogs mm-hmm. and it's just like god man like this is it, it's a tough movie like this is definitely one of those ones that you could see some people like walking out of in the theater and i think a lot of the the negative reviews and negative things that are said about this movie are warranted um and we'll get into that here in just a second but like i don't think tarantino is racist or anything i think he he actually does a good job of of like highlighting bigotry and racism and showing that like you know, people actually thought and acted like this every day of their lives, you know, not that long ago. Right. And and I don't think like somebody making movies during this time period and like trying to be accurate historically mm-hmm. makes anyone racist. It's just it's tough to watch. But like something can be tough to watch, but also like not make the guy who directed it a racist, in, in my opinion. Who knows? Maybe he is racist. We don't know him. Yeah. Um, but I just I don't think that like one equals the other. Um, and, and I think that it's OK to make movies that are one, historically accurate and two, difficult to watch. I mean, it's yeah. some of the some of the best movies are the ones that are difficult to watch. Yeah. Tarantino gets criticized for his use of the N word in most of his movies. Um, you know, I can't really defend it in, in for every movie, um, but like all of his movies are good. And I think it's, you know, the, the abundance of, of the word isn't necessary, but I think. In order for him to show just how nasty these people were in, in the South back then, um, they used that word every day, and they were they were terrible to African Americans. And you know, if, if you if you want to understand how we've progressed as a society, you need to understand like where we came from. Yeah, for sure. Um, and like you said, the abundance is really what gets yeah. you in this movie. I think there there are multiple instances where you're like, damn man, they could have used a different word. Yeah. Like they could have just said guy or that man. Fella. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, something like God. At certain parts of this movie, it's just like punching you in the face yeah. over and over again. Um, but I get it, and I think you're right. I think he wanted to kind of like really show just how awful these people were, mm-hmm. and and it, it definitely drilled it into your head. And then when these guys who constantly use that word throughout the movie end up dying, it makes it that much more satisfying. So I mean, yeah. I don't know. I I I think I get what he was going for. And Spike Lee was one of the biggest critics of this movie, and he said that. Je- um, he didn't like Django, and this is a quote from him. He said that slavery was not a spaghetti western; it was a holocaust against African Americans. 
Tarantino did the same thing in Inglorious Bastards. World War II wasn't a spaghetti western. It was a holocaust of the Jews. So I definitely understand what he's saying. Um, you know, I don't think that Tarantino was any, in any way glorifying slavery or anything. I think he was just highlighting how horrible it was. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't think something in history being awful makes it, you know, mm-hmm. makes it so that you can't ever make a movie during that time period or, you know, like mention it. I mean, if we're if we're never going to talk about the Holocaust or slavery, you're doomed to repeat history. Exactly. So, I mean, I just I don't know. It seems simple minded to, to have that approach, but I get it. And Samuel Jackson actually came to Tarantino's defense and defended him for the use of the N word. Um, and I read a bunch of reviews online today before we did this. And most of the criticism was that the language was too harsh, um, you know, too much of the N-word. Um, they were too brutal to the slaves. But then they praised Tarantino for doing a great job of depicting the antebellum South. So which one is right. it? I mean, because you can't have one without the other because that's the reality of it was, of what life was like. And like I said like earlier, progressiveness and SJWs weren't a thing yet. Um, and Dr. King Schultz is the closest thing we had to that. I mean – he doesn't care about race. He wants to help Django and he successfully reunites him with his wife. Um, classic rescue story tale. Yep. Agreed. You want to uh, jump, jump into any nitpicks that you had? Um, just the runtime was really my only one, honestly. Yeah. That, that was the only thing for me too. Um, the runtime and then just a small nitpick with, I feel like, they could have toned it down a little bit with the language. Like, I mean, it's just, yeah, I've said, I've said it a couple of times, but like it, it is a little rough. Um, but who am I to say that like somebody's artistic ex- expression should be changed mm-hmm. in any way? Um, so like I said, I didn't like ding the, the score and it, it doesn't, I mean, it, it, it's hard for me to like watch and listen to, but it, it's not something that would cause me to like, not like the movie or like turn it off or anything. Yeah. Um, so I, it, that's not necessarily a nitpick, I guess. It's just, man, like, I really feel like there were certain instances where they could have used something else. I saw a few critics say that what Schultz did to Django was basically indentured servitude, which is what happened after the slaves got freed. I mean, they went, a lot of them went back to their slave owners and worked for a wage instead of, you know, working for free and being treated like crap. Um, Because Dr. King Schultz does pay Django and it's, you know, this evil form of capitalism. It's like, well, they had a partnership. That was the deal that Django helped him and then schultz would help him free hildy after the winter so i don't know yeah that that's the woke take that that yeah. dr king schultz was actually a piece of shit why dr king schultz is racist my column <laughs> and he's canceled and he's out of here just like that. thanks a lot Christoph. <laughs> all right man you got anything else no this was a lot of fun i hope we can do this more often yeah definitely sounds good and i think we will um we'll probably post um, do kind of the same thing where we just post a poll yeah. on our Twitter account and just kind of see what people want. Um, but I think the next episode we're going to do should be out uh, Tuesday and we'll just be reviewing episodes seven and eight of the last dance. Sounds good, man. Can't wait. All right. All right.